we're gonna need an umbrella for how wet this podcast is about to make you. <laughs> <laughs> Great start. Great well start. Keep it, keep it in. Let's keep the shit rolling. It's America's most residential podcast, The Pod People. I'm Matisse Van Rossum, and as the pastor always told me, it's resident evil, not resident Steve-el. Who? Exactly. G virus. <laughs> ben cheats here. <sighs> All right. Um, hello. Uh, my name is Cleveland Mosier, but today you can call me Leon because I'm dummy thick. Fans will get it. Uh, well, we're back and uh, we're talking about our last new theatrical release of the year. Resident Evil. Welcome to Raccoon City. Uh, it's the new Resident Evil movie. It's a Resident Evil reboot. Uh, it is not a continuation of the Paul W.S. Anderson uh, series starring Mila Jovovich. Reboots it and evil. It's reboots it and evil. <laughs> that, makes it, that makes it sound Canadian. <laughs> reboots it. Re- reboots it and hey. evil. Um, this movie is written and directed by Johannes Roberts who uh, we have talked about on the show before. He did... Uh, Johannes Roberts is evil. Mm, yeah, you, maybe, maybe you should apart. stop while you're ahead. Yeah. I'm already behind. Uh, I'm just going to keep going. Uh, Johannes Roberts did uh, The Strangers Pray at Night. Which I thought was pretty good. Which I was kind of mid on at the time, but I've come around a little bit more in the subsequent years. I like it a little bit more now than I did. Uh, is that a sequel to the hit movie, it. The Strangers? It is. It is. Yeah. Oh, it actually is. Uh, oh, okay. It actually is. And uh, he also did uh, 47 Meters Down, which is a shark movie oh. that Ben and I watched. We were originally going to do on the podcast a few years ago, but then we watched it and decided that it was too boring. And there wouldn't be enough to talk about. Yeah. I personally went into this with some pretty mixed feelings. Uh, (laughs) Johannes Roberts is good sometimes. And then sometimes he makes 47 meters down. I thought this movie was okay. I thought this movie was extremely faithful to the games. For better and for worse. (laughs) It felt like if you were to exactly convert resident evil one and two into a video game it would be this mm-hmm. including yeah. one-dimensional characters and <laughs> shoddy story beats and poorly executed dialogue yes yeah um i, I, would agree I found <laughs> i found some of those quirks pretty charming same and same, i actually. found the production design is spot on they seriously like take actual like locations from the game and recreate them perfect yeah the police station was like one-to-one i was really impressed even like certain shots from cutscenes in the first game they recreate exactly i thought that as a adaptation of a video game this movie was really good as a movie it was just okay yeah Um, (laughs) as as like a story as, as like a story is just okay um, I personally have very little nostalgia for Resident Evil. Um, I didn't really play the games uh, growing up. I mean, I guess still to this day, I've never actually played a Resident Evil game. I've I've watched full playthroughs of like four, five, and six. Um, I've seen friends playing big chunks of one. So like, I feel like I'm I'm pretty 
familiar with Resident Evil, but it's not something that I have like a huge attachment to. And I think that people who really do have an attachment to like the first couple of games would probably get a lot more out of this movie than I do. Or, or a lot less because they're just a little bit too attached to it, and then nostal and nostalgia is a bitch. Like, it's, yeah, it's possible. I, I feel I feel like looking at like some of the reception online, that's been more the case. I actually, Are Resident Evil fans not not big on this. So I haven't looked at any. I like, was curious. I normally don't do this. Um, I normally don't listen to, like, other takes or opinions before recording the podcast. I try to do it afterwards, you know, so, like, I'm going in nice and clean and fresh. You know, I'm not about to, like, watch a Red Litter Media episode on something beforehand. Though I do like it, but I'm going to go and, you know, watch it afterwards. Uh, make sure, you know, my, my opinions are my own as I go in to see the movies. But this time I thought, fuck it. It's Resident Evil. My curiosity got a hold of me. Every once in a while, just to remind myself of the baseline of, like, just your average gamery opinion you know on stuff i go to angry joe it's just it's he's really loud and i'll be polite he shoots from the gut right i was curious to see like okay well, how did they feel about the movie um they hated it they were all saying like it was nothing like the games and all this other stuff and i was so confused here's the thing right like the movie combines two and three Large one and two. Or one and two. One and so two. that's what I meant. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it sort of like puts one and two together. I do feel like they're kind of setting up for like three as well um, in some circumstances, but um, it's largely the plot of one leading into two. Yeah, I actually played through both one and two pretty recently. So this source material was pretty familiar for, to me, and it seems like they essentially create an amalgamation of one and two pretty closely mm -hmm. like it has the final sequence from two it has the whole police station from two it has kind of the the secret laboratory from two but it also has the mansion of one and the mansion of course being destroyed as well as uh the the kid lisa linda lisa Lisa Trevor, is Lisa that the, Trevor, is that the bitch yeah, with the, who was wearing the the leatherface mask. Yeah, okay. She's in the she's in one. <laughs> oh, that um, is a character from the game. Yeah, yeah, that was a, a character I was not super familiar. Yeah, with. No, she's in, she's in one. They follow it pretty closely, but it's it's baffling that they don't see it any as anything like the game. Like, sure, it doesn't have Mister X, but like compare this to like. The original, the Jovovich know, movies, Jovovich yeah. movie, yeah, those and are close. Those are very like they don't feel like Resident Evil. No, like, this movie feels like yeah, a very caring adaptation from someone who played and really loved the games. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, I, I mean, well, the fact that the movie feels like Resident Evil at all is like a step up from the Paul W.S. Anderson ones, like, at least as, like, a, a video game adaptation. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, I feel like this movie almost follows it too closely. Because, right, like, I came into it recently of playing the first two games, mm -hmm. so I was very familiar with the material. And I thought, you know, it followed that really well. The thing is, like, I can't imagine someone who has no interface with resident evil whatsoever seeing this and enjoying it yeah and i kind of felt the same like 
because I haven't played Resident Evil, but I, as I mentioned, like, I have quite a bit of familiarity with it just from, like, pop culture stuff. So, like, I know who these characters are, but, like, I felt acutely the entire time I was watching this movie is, like, if I had no context for Resident Evil whatsoever, this would be... It's kind of a snooze. ...unwatchable, almost. Part of my problem with it is... I think that in trying to combine the first and second games into one movie, it gets kind of bogged down, like having to jump back and forth between all the different characters. Yeah, and the characters feel very shallow, which is true to the game right. to a sense. Sure. But at the same time, like doesn't really work for a movie yeah i feel like if they had stuck more closely to like just the first game and not worried about the second game and left like um oh who's in who's in the second it's liam and claire in the second game is that right in the first one it's chris and jill yeah okay yeah i think if they'd left out the second game and like not bothered introducing like leon and claire then like maybe I mean, you know, save it for a sequel or whatever. And, like, if they just stuck to, like, the first game and had it be more of, like, a horror movie in, like, the first half, have more of the sort of, like, exploring of the dark, spooky mansion with just, like, a couple of characters that we get to know a little bit more, I think it might have been a more interesting movie. At least, like, yeah, like, I think you can introduce them, but, like... They don't need to have, like, half the exposition yeah. that they do. Yeah, like, and... Just, it takes up a lot of runtime. Giving... I mean, we gotta give backstory for all of these characters, too. Like, yeah. we gotta... We gotta learn about all of these fucking characters individually and, like, where they come from and stuff. It, there doesn't feel, like, time the, for it. The yeah. thing is, we really don't need that, like... Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, you could just jump into it, and it'd be, it would be fine. I thought the first, like, 20 or 30 minutes of this movie was completely unnecessary, like, it introduces all the, the stuff, but, like, we could just jump in and learn about it in the journey. Yeah, it should really start, the movie should really start with, like, uh, Chris and Jill getting to the mansion. Like, that. that's when the movie should start, I think. Yeah. And that doesn't really happen until, like, 30 minutes in. So I don't, I don't necessarily feel like movies have to be, like pinned down with genre if the movie knows what it is but here i i I am sort of left like kind of a little bit in limbo like what is this movie trying to be you know like is it trying to be like action horror is it trying to be like more of a thrillery i think the answer is action horror like there's so many action horror sequences Mm -hmm. but there is so much exposition and there's so much runtime that devoted to like these flat characters um that there's you know like do kind of fuck with the pacing a little bit and mm-hmm. I, and i think like a lot of those sequences could have been way shorter and still gotten the same yeah like point frankly across. i i don't i don't give a shit about like the the estrangement between claire and chris like she ran away from raccoon city and he stayed and became a cop and what like don't care yeah don't care get it all out of here doesn't fucking matter. Bring on the zombos. Bring yeah. on the zombos. Bring on the zombos way earlier. If um, you're going to do that, do it organically during, you know, mm. the action. As soon as most yeah, of it was totally. tropes anyway. It's the girl on the highway crashing the car. We've seen it a million yeah. times. There's a lot of sequences that could definitely be like trimmed down, cut, uh, reduced, and just more time with shotguns being fucking blasting open zombies. And there, the, the, when it happens, 
it's great. I, I think. Yeah, I the mean, action is really well I shot. Think, yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah, I love the action. I will say there is one, while we're talking about the character moments, there is one character moment I did really like, and that's when Jill pulls the fucking hand, like the actual handgun out of her bag, like to shoot the apple off of Leon's head. Oh, I thought that was funny. Like, yeah. I thought that was a good bit. And that's about it. But yeah. like, uh, yeah, Jill's character I found to be like kind of intriguing. Like, that's a great way to introduce a character. It's campy. Like, it's not like based on realism. Who cares? It's a video game movie. But like, she's the character that seems like they have the most potential to be like a fun action hero. And isn't she but, in three? Uh, I, don't I forget know. who's the lead in three. Yeah, she's in three. Um, yeah, that's right. I thought so because she's the one being hunted down by Nemesis, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Stars. But she's but like in this movie, I feel like she is almost relegated to like a second a secondary character because like her defining character trait in this movie is that she's hot for Wesker for some reason, and Chris is hot for her, but sad because she's hot for Wesker. Love triangle shit. While we're on the subject of Wesker, I just got to get it out of the way. The actor who plays Wesker in this movie is terrible. I thought that that I thought that that was the <laughs> actually hands down the worst performance in the film is is Wesker in this movie. Yes, but it's the most accurate. And also, I thought it was like, most entertaining for it too. Wesker in the games is very badly done. <laughs> To the well, point maybe, where maybe they did it on purpose. Then I don't know. It you know like a lot of the time it, it was never like in your face, but I I felt like it was self aware. Like when it was being bad, I don't think it necessarily succeeded in being entertaining, but I do think it was self aware. If that makes sense, which doesn't really mean anything. That doesn't yeah, really help it, the movie. It doesn't. It doesn't really help. Like maybe it mm. was being self aware, but if that's the case, lean into it more. Agreed. Well, I to think make it more entertaining. That's what this movie boring. That's what this movie was kind of missing in a sense. Is like the embrace of the yeah. campiness of the source material. Yes. Like for fuck's sake, in the first game, like. You can get eaten by a giant shark. Yeah. There's a giant, like, plant monster in the mansion. There's so much campiness to this. Yeah. To and like, see, games. that's why I would have I preferred to see a whole movie of them just exploring the mansion. And yes. then you can include the, the kooky shit. You know what really this movie should have been, too? Just Resident Evil 1. I mean, it should have been, yeah. But also, this movie should not have been an American production. Uh, Resident Evil is a Japanese game. This movie should have been a Japanese a, a Japanese movie. I think they would have leaned way harder into the kind of like campiness that this that this movie needs. I mean, that's that's just saying like completely different people need to make the movie. Yeah, well, so that's not that's kind of asking for a lot. But I think I, I almost wish it was a Japanese director doing an American production. Right, because okay, the whole concept of Resident Evil is the Japanese trying their best to create an American world. That's and fair. there's some things that are missing in the translation of that that become very campy and funny unintentionally. If you had someone who was not living in the U.S., yeah. like if you got like Takashi McKay, for example, see, to yeah. do an American production of Resident Evil... It would have that same kind of charm, I think. I mean, honestly, Takashi McKay would have made would have an a incredible good for this, honestly. director yeah, for now, this. Now that you mention it, I, I, I totally agree. And I, I know he's not Japanese, but uh, the the point you bring up makes me think it's of a campy somebody. Director. 
think of somebody like uh, John Woo, who like got his start in like Hong Kong cinema and then moved to the U.S. and started making shit like Mission Impossible Two, bringing like the sensibilities of like Hong Kong action movies to like American productions. Yeah. Like doing East meets West, doing something like that. I think you're no, I, I think you're you're spot on, Ben. That's that is the happy middle ground is is have a Japanese filmmaker come in and do an American production, um, but with like the the sort of Japanese mm. sense of flair. I think that would have that would have brought a lot yeah. to this movie. And the thing is, like like you mentioned earlier, Cleve, like the action is in this movie is really shot well. There's a sequence where they're in the mansion and it's pitch black and zombies are coming from mm. all around and you're just getting brief glimpses from muzzle flashes it's great all around them and it feels so visceral and claustrophobic and it's like really well done i love that sequence and it's like a lot of the sequences in this movie are done really well it's just the problem comes down to kind of hollow characters yeah where like this action feels kind of decontextualized sometimes everything you could touch in this movie looked great the zombies looked uh fan fucking tastic i really liked the practicals there and uh, like like we've already we've already gushed about the set design like the all of the locations were were fun and i yeah when you say everything you can touch you mean everything that is like physical like practical and sets and stuff right? yes okay cool. yeah because i was gonna say the well we'll get I, into the CG. i think the cg in this movie is kind of bad we don't have to talk about that yet yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think the, the zombie makeup is really good. Like, the set design has a lot of, like, really great attention to detail. I just, I wanted this movie to be fun, and I didn't find it very fun. Like, there are, I think there are glimpses of fun in there. Like, there are a, a, a few, like, little moments where I, I've kind of, like, chuckled. Like, the when you mentioned when, when Jill pulls out the... The, her real gun to like shoot the <laughs> the ketchup bottle off of Leon's head. I thought that was funny. Um, I thought Do- the police chief was kind of fun. Donald, oh, Lo- yeah. yeah, Donald Logue was funny. Um, yeah, he, he's he's amusing enough. Like uh, when he's trying to leave Raccoon City and uh, he's playing Journey on the on yeah the after referencing it previously after, after telling yeah after telling that's a good callback yeah after telling Wesker to like uh, if he was meeting up with a girl like put on some Journey because like bitches love Journey or whatever mm-hmm. um, like that that kind of stuff was was like. It was it was cutesy, but I didn't find much of it like really laugh out loud funny, and that's okay. But like the rest of the movie, just like it need Resident Evil needs to be fun, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if you're, especially if you're trying to do the action horror blend, it needs to be fun. I was kind of bored through a lot of this movie. One thing we haven't mentioned yet is this film is set in '98. Yes, when the first Resident Evil game came out. Which mm-hmm. is a great choice. Yes. I do yeah. love that. They don't make it, like, super apparent um, at the start. Oh, actually, I think it, it does give yes, you a date. Yes, they do. It, there's it, a, it, a, t- there's a title card. Yeah, well, I was really paying attention. Um, but uh, uh, if I'm being honest, I missed a little... I, I was sort of not paying attention a little bit at the beginning because uh, we'd, we'd smuggled in uh, White Claw Tallboys, and I was just waiting for, like, the right, like, loud moment to pop the can. Um, uh, so I was like, like a little focused <laughs> at that time. See, that's um, the thing. You just have to pair it with a cough. 
Yeah. Then oh. everyone's too concerned about COVID to hear that. Yeah. Or they think I'm a robot <laughs> making weird pop noises. Uh, you popped your or, jaw. <laughs> or a third alternative, you just open it and nobody gives a shit. That's that's yeah. fair too. Um, I can sh- I can cover it up with a shriek. Also, that's good. <laughs> pop it open. It's like, oh, sorry, I got scared by the movie. It's like nothing's happened yet. It's like, yeah, I know. I uh, the the anticipation scared me. <laughs> um. Uh. And so it got into the film a little bit, and I, I just. I turned to the side and I was like, oh, this is Pager? Oh, neat. Okay, it's at 98. Like, that, that was really fun. Um, and I thought it did a good job of dating itself. I thought it did a good job of being like a quote, uh, I hate to say period piece. Like, I mean, man, we're far enough removed from the 90s. That, I know, like, it makes me feel that, old like, saying the 90s, it, but... absolutely, yeah, movies that are set in the 90s are absolutely period pieces. Well, and and like, point. here's the thing too, like late, like 98 too, you know, like not even like 92 or 94, yeah. you know. Um, that in of itself was pretty nostalgic for me and I thought they did a good job of it again a great example is like the old guy would totally listen to journey like that's a nice yeah. touch and there were a lot of like little touches like that that uh enhanced it for me a good deal uh I think I think that was a great call um yeah when Wesker goes into his locker and uh the shadowy people he's been working with or whatever have just left him a palm pilot yeah yeah it's pretty fun the the dude who is sitting down the aisle from us when he opened the locker was like he's like oh shit a palm pilot I have one of those. <laughs> <laughs> that rules. See? Yeah. Like, that's great. Um, and that, that's why I do. Like, I, uh, I, I wouldn't even say glimpses of fun. Like, I, I had, I had good fun, like, a couple of times in this movie. Like, there, there are a few moments in this film that I, I, I really liked, you know? But again, I, you know, my, my biggest plight really is just the pacing. Yeah, I, I feel like in terms of pacing, it was just missing one show-stopping sequence. Like, if it had one show-stopping sequence to really tie it together and give it that sense of fun, like, it would have been elevated so much for me. Like, Mm -hmm. that's a little more leaning in. That, in that way, it felt kind of similar to Strangers Pray at Night in that, like, the show-stopping sequence of that movie was the pool sequence for me. And that elevated it from a good to a pretty good movie. Where this movie didn't really feel like it had that, like, oh, yeah, this is a scene that I'll go back to. Yeah, like, if I... I I mean, we only saw this movie a couple of days ago, and, like, if I now sit and try to think of, like, a highlight of, like, a scene that was a highlight for me, I can't really. Yeah, and, I mean, I feel like they probably tried to distance themselves from camp due to the Jovovich movies. That's a, it's a fucking that's mistake. A, that's it's a, a misstep. Yeah. Well, it's the same problem with like the new Ghostbuster film, right? Allegedly, I honestly haven't, I haven't seen, seen both. But what yet. I what I've heard like critically with the complaints is like that this one sort of like took a hard turn in the opposite direction and is like just gearing for sentimentality and doesn't have much comedy at all and it's like yeah you, well it's see, a balance you know like you don't need to like go like so hard to the right or left. Exactly. And the thing about the the Jovovich movies is I know he didn't make all of them, but, like, he really kickstarted the franchise. It's like, Paul W.S. Anderson is a bad filmmaker, and those movies are heavy on the camp, but they're also bad movies. Yeah. And I think that this movie, like, Johannes Roberts is a competent enough filmmaker that if he had done camp, if he had been heavier on the camp it would have elevated the film because the film is competently made and adding some more fun would make it more enjoyable. Yeah. 
Uh, and also put it put it more in league with like ninety like like late nineties early yeah. aughts films, which I, I have a lot of comparisons to on that front. Yeah, you know it's it's weird. Like Resident Evil as a series, at least in terms of the games, has like such a weird legacy. Where, like, the first couple of games, like, especially the first one, like, really were, like, survival horror games. And it's only as they went on that they got more and more action-heavy, and then by the time they got around to, like, Resident Evil 5 and 6, they were just straight-up action games, no longer horror. And then they did, like, the hard pivot with these last couple where they're, like, back back to, Yeah. yeah... Back to, like, strictly survival horror with some action elements. Mm -hmm. And I I think that because of that sort of tonal shift across the the franchise, I think you mentioned it a little earlier, Cleve, that, like, this film can't quite decide what tone it's trying to go for. And I think it's because it's trying to run the gamut of the tone of the Resident Evil franchise as a whole. Whereas, in terms of, like... Resident Evil 1 and 2, the games, like, they're a little bit more horror, horror-centric, and I think if this movie had gone in that direction, it did kind of. Like, this is way more of a horror movie. Sleaning in, This yeah. is way more of a horror movie than any of the Jovovich Resident Evil movies, but... Yeah, and the first one, you yeah, know. Even so, like, you're right that it just, like, is it trying to be horror, or is it trying to be action, or is it trying to be action horror? It doesn't really know. Yeah. And it, it might just be a matter of, like, it's not having enough of any of those ones. Yes. Yeah. Right. Correct. And not a lot not a lot more. Like, I, I guess it's just the yeah, the sequences that aren't action don't feel like an action movie. And again, the, the boring characters don't help those moments of non-action yeah and there's there's way too much of that like when when do we even get our first like bona fide action sequence like fuck 40 minutes into the movie is that is that there are a lot there's a lot of zombie content from the beginning like sprinkled throughout like there are themes of it building it's not like a hard right turn the movie gradually moves into zombo territory yeah but yeah we don't get like a full-on action sequence for a minute um uh it's true but we do get like we get moments you know we get the dog biting the truck driver we get the the one next door chasing uh whichever yeah i guess that was you know kind of a little baby action sequence when uh, the the zombies like break into Chris's house when Claire is there, and the, like the little boys under the table or whatever, and then the other one just comes crashing through the back window. <laughs> like that's kind of an action scene, not really, but it's it's like the first moment of like higher energy in the movie. This I is think. also what's expected. Like right. that's the other thing too is, is like it's kind of what it's it's just what you do. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I think. Um, Man, it sure would have been neat to. I don't know. I just think you're you're missing an opportunity not peppering in like Mr. X and shit. If you're gonna combine yeah, Resident man, Evil One I, and Two, you've got the police station. Put Mr. X in. I it. think it's just too. I think it's just too much to introduce all for one. Movie. Well, no, no. That, that's the cool thing about Mr. X. You don't need to explain Mr. X. You just need him to show up and fucking punch someone through the face and then disappear again. Sure. Like hunt them down a little bit and then you know be gone for a little while. Like maybe show up at the end. But like I don't know. Uh, I mean, at least foreshadow Mr. X for the next one or something that's, that's or foreshadow thing. Nemesis. While we're, while we're like, on the subject, while we're on the subject of villains, I think that's another problem I have with this movie is that it only has 
one sort of clearly defined villain character and he's absent from most of the movie i keep i kept forgetting about him when he wasn't on screen well they clumsily set him up with flashbacks too yeah Yeah. he's like the the doctor at the orphanage where claire and chris grew up or whatever and you know we find out that he's been doing because he works for umbrella so he's been doing uh you know bioweapon experiments on like the kids and stuff but like there's not really any of that at the beginning like you know we we get a little bit of like claire as a child you know encountering lisa trevor for the first time it's like and like that that design like for lisa trevor is like spooky like the sure, yeah with the with the weird like leather face mask I, I like that stuff okay um but this villain this doctor character is like we don't. See I think mean, it's just him. that he's generic. If he'd hammed yeah, up the, he's gen- so he's like, so generic. And you so could have the boring. same scenes and say have the same like lines and everything, but like you've just you that you need an actor like you need like Jeremy Irons in the Dungeons and Dragons movie. You know, like you need someone like chewing the fucking that's, scenery. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like a lot of his a lot of his screen time in this movie in the the quote unquote present day in ninety eight is him trying to get out of raccoon city with like his wife and daughter and like that kind of stuff is almost presented like you're supposed like you're supposed to be worried for them you know well, well, at least because his wife and daughter are at that point they haven't really but, set up who he is well, that, that's yeah that's and the so thing. like it's i think it's it's supposed to be like a sudden turn it's like oh shit he's the bad guy the problem is like his sudden turn like is really boring and like in its execution well, all it thing, needed was like, like some maniacal laughter and shit you know even, he's, he's already a mad doctor in a lab coat who's injecting himself with like crazy virus well that's the thing you know haven't like, inject himself earlier the thing with it is like be screaming that character the is the main baddie from resident evil 2 and it and in some ways, it's an amalgamation of one's big bad, too. Yeah. But the thing is, in two, you're continually experiencing him with the G-Virus and all the eyeballs all over him, but it gets bigger and bigger. And you get a little bit of that at the end, where like he appears once, they think they kill him, and then he comes back like... As a bigger monster. A bigger monster. Yeah. But if you did that throughout the movie, yeah, it would totally. be kind of a narrative through line, well, and it would feel well, like an actual villain. See, here's, here's one thing I'll mention, though. I do like how Umbrella acts as a villain in this movie. I think that Umbrella is pretty regularly brought up in dialogue and is pretty well set up as just like this existing entity as a villain, and I, I thought that worked. I don't have a problem with that. I just, I just want more campy action. I mean, shit. kind of, but I mean, for a movie like this, there needs to feel like a a bigger threat that our heroes are trying to fight, and like just the idea of quote unquote umbrella is I I don't think enough. Like, yeah, they tell you at the beginning, it's like, okay, Umbrella is the largest pharmaceutical company in the world. They own this whole fucking city, but now they're moving, so they're stripping the town of all of its resources and leaving it like a husk or whatever. Okay, cool. Yeah, they're your generic, like, evil corporation, but there needs to be a face. For there needs to be a face for the evil corporation, and this doctor just, ends up being that. But it's like he's they they don't really make it super explicit how villainous he is at the beginning for no reason because we know that as a doctor for the Umbrella Corporation he is evil. 
Mm-hmm. Like, we know this. So the fact that they try to make him seem sort of, like, mild-mannered and, like, unassuming and, like, you know, he he loves his wife and his daughter and stuff like that and then just make him, like, really evil in, like, the last ten minutes. It's like, uh, why? Yeah. Why? Like, do what Ben says and have him be, like, inject himself with the with the virus way earlier so he's, like, mutating across the course of the movie and have him be, like, a, a constant, ever-looming, like, evil, maniacal presence instead of just running around in his fucking pajamas for the whole movie <laughs> and then showing up at the end to be evil when they need to. Well, that's the, thing you, you about the, good point. that's the thing about the first game's villain is, like, the first game's villain is the father of Lisa Trevor. And so, like, you have kind of that kind of moral dilemma of him trying to keep this kind of infected person alive, essentially, Mm. and human. You know, it's at odds there. Damn, yeah, and just just do that game. Some moral complexity. Mm -hmm. My point, too, is, like, uh, in addition to, I think that there are a number of, like, threats. Again, I don't necessarily need the threat to have, like, a full-on face. I think the Umbrella Corporation, like, thing can be enough. I don't think it is. Like, so I'm not not disagreeing. I think that that would work. But another factor is sort of the opposite. Instead of just, like, giving it a face, just give us a face that actually, like, reacts to the events that are taking place. Because, like, we have to think, there are a lot of ticking clocks in this movie. There are a lot of motivations going on. Yeah. And I don't think any of them land. No, like, it's hard to, they're hard to track. Let me, let me, let me, let, let me, let me go down the line. And uh, so we have um, the brother and sister have to reunite. When they do, uh, neither of them look like they really give a shit. You know, they're because both. Because they don't. Because they don't. Okay, so neither of them really give a shit there. Okay, cool. Uh, what's her face gets attacked by zombies. And she now needs to go and find her brother. Once again, she just does it. Right. The police station, there are people changing, you know, like changing positions or whatever. The police chief, that's kind of fun, like a little bit with him. But like uh, yeah, Leon doesn't really know what to down, do. He just starts to he's like, I bail. Leon's the rookie. He's like, oh, yeah. you're in charge now. Yeah. And, and, I, and I skipped the previous because like the cops are just doing their job. So yeah. nothing to react to there. It's, it's all taken in stride. They have to go to the mansion. They just kind of do it. Yep. Right. The characters find out that the city is going to be destroyed, is going to be fucking nuked, obliterated. In a number of hours, do we ever get a face that reacts to that? Well, okay, in fairness on that point, the only one who knows that the city is going to be destroyed at 6 a.m. is Wesker. And does he ever really do anything about it? No, because he's a bad actor. Right, then also Wesker. uh, (laughs) Wesker uh, Wesker reveals... Right, that he's been part of a secret organization or whatever. He's, uh, yeah, he's, he's been, been hired. He's, he's a sleeper agent or whatever to find. Yeah, to dig up dirt on Umbrella. To dig up dirt on Umbrella for um, for some other for shadowy some reason, organiza- it, organization. It in no way stops them from being a team, which is re- what I thought was really weird about that splitting point. Is it felt really forced? And also, again, like in that sequence, who actually shows a reaction that they care? Right, Jill says that she does, but we don't really see much on her face. She's because yeah. she's being a stoic character. So. And then we get to the guy in the lab. The scientist makes the decision to inject himself, and he treats it very dryly as he turns into a, a giant hideous monster. Well, right? he injects himself after he's been shot a few times, so he yeah. does it to preserve his life. Yes, the, leading up to him getting shot, it's all very, like, it's it's relatively cool, right? There's not a whole lot of screaming or rage or and emotion, yeah. you know? And it, it goes on from there. So I just say, like, all the beat the beats of the film, you know, the stuff with the helicopter pilot, the rest— I just hit all the beats in the movie, and there's never a moment where a character just goes, oh, fuck, right? We never get like a, ah, shit, we only have until yeah. sundown to deal with this. 
and like that's all I'm asking for, you know. Like, like there needs project. to be a sense of urgency. Yeah, and these that, characters are all is, like yeah, like the, badass, and like that's cool. But like because they're so stoic, like and here's the thing: you can have a stoic character to, that reacts like emotionally to something because it's such a big deal; it breaks their stoicism. Well, there needs right, there which needs makes it more be, intense. There needs to be a sense of urgency from any of the characters because the film yes. tells us. Constantly, that, that there is that there is a ticking clock. Like it literally, like shows us like the four a.m., five a.m., like yeah. constantly. So it's supposed it's doing that for us as the audience to be like, oh, it's getting closer to when the city's going to be destroyed. What are they going to do? But no, there's no sense of urgency from any of the characters, and part of that is the fault of the writing in that the flattest character in a film full of flat characters is the only one who knows there even is a ticking clock. That is a mistake. That doesn't make any sense. Like what is the point of the ticking clock as a narrative device? If it doesn't give reason for the protect, it doesn't give a sense of urgency. Yeah. We're not feeling it for, for the them. protagonist. Well, no, because the only thing, the only quote unquote sense of urgency that it creates is that it tells us as the audience, oh, if they don't get out by 6 a.m., they're all going to die. But as the audience, we know they're going to get out by 6 a.m. Because of course they will. And because it's a re- it's a reboot of the Resident Evil franchise. They want to make sequels. All of these characters are important. None of them can die. So we know there's no actual threat. And the characters don't feel like we have to get out of here at a certain time anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing with the games too, is they kind of introduce the ticking clock at the last second. Once they're in the underground lab, like until then, like the, the threat is the zombies and surviving with the zombies. And it, right. that is, as a, you explore and solve puzzles yeah. and do all of this shit. Like, uh, yeah. And that's fine in the games. And, to an extent that works somewhat here it's just like the stakes aren't being pushed narratively just yeah. project it onto the characters it feel like there's any threat all you need to do is in the last 10 minutes is like oh this lab will self-destruct in three minutes it's like oh shit we gotta get out of here but there's a big fucking monster covered in eyeballs on our yeah. tail how are we gonna get out of here in time that's all you really need yeah yeah, exactly. But they introduced the train before, like, it's even, uh, we even have time to, like, consider it as, you know, worry about it, like, for that to even sink in. Like, oh, that's the yeah. thing. You know, like, yeah, I'm agreeing with you. Like, like it's like, yeah, as soon as the, you know, like, before we I can, like, about worry the tra- about... I forgot about the train already. Yeah, be- and that's where the showdown with the monster takes place at the end. I like, I like some of that. But, like, it, it reminded me uh, very much of the uh, the end of the first Jovovich movie, because it, it all, the showdown is also on the train um, with mm-hmm. the eyeball guy which is interesting to go back to that. But again, too, like Mr. X has no lines and he is so much scarier than your scientist. Dude, honestly, though, oh my God, if they got in the right, like I'm telling you, dude, the scientist can like still do his thing or whatever, but just like let the actor choose some scenery. Like, I feel like that actor is probably capable of it too. I think it like part of it's the direction, but like, I know it's probably the case with a lot of these actors. If I'm being real, I, I, I want to try and be fair to them. Um, Oh, a uh, fun note about the actors too. The the helicopter pilot is uh, the co-star on Letterkenny, 
which was an interesting. I don't think he has any lines in this movie. He has he has like three, uh, not or like three words maybe. Yeah, like but not a lot. No, I'm glad he's getting work. I guess I, I really Don- like I, I really like Letterkenny. It's a good show. But Donald Donald Logue is the only character in this movie that is any fun at all. Yes, yeah, agree. Is any fun at all? And Jill for a moment. For yeah, for a split. Second. But but yeah, it for is it is split. Second. It is lost yeah. during like the the splitting up scene with Wesker that is just forced. And it's like here's the thing: you're in a you're in a, a weird haunted mansion with zombies, and there's a crazy like pharmaceutical corporation like at the root of it all, and there's all this crazy shit going on, and the place is going to be fucking nuked. It's it, it's sun up. Awesome. Uh, why why do you need to force a reason for your party to split up? Why why do you have to force that moment? Yeah. You know, it's like. The mansion doesn't look that big from the angles we see it from. Like, the other guy, like, can't be that far away and another gun is going to be helpful. Like, they've been abandoned by the police force and by, like, Umbrella and everything else, too. Like, everyone in that squad, especially because, like, Wesker's the leader of it already, like, would be down to just say, fuck it. Like, let's let's go. Like, like her acting like it was a betrayal. And also, too, like, it's weird. Like, she never really says betrayal in the scene, but when she goes to get like uh get what's his face then she's like he betrayed well, us and it's like it's, why didn't you like like emote and well, say that to him and be like barely, she, she could have been like you betrayed us you know like there could have been like some, some feelings exactly it's, it's forced betra- all it all it is it's not like he has like lured them into this place to die or is like sacrificing them for or something else it's literally just like he reveals like hey some people have contacted me and they're giving me money to dig up dirt on umbrella and she's like well why he's like so i can get out of this fucking nothing town and that's the betrayal is that he's going is that he wants to is that he wants to ruined by like a shitty corporation exactly that's the betrayal is that he doesn't want to stay in the the ruins of of a once prosperous now economically depressed shitty little mm-hmm. town he doesn't want to stay there he wants to get out and go and make something of himself mm-hmm. somewhere else in the world also and, the town is going to be nuked at sunup and he's quote unquote like, it, it's he, doesn't, be, he doesn't tell her that then i know that's he, what he should tell her yeah he's just like, like yo the town's gonna be nuked at sunup you need to you need to listen you're like, you need, you're like come with me if you want to live well when she when she says like oh so you're just gonna leave us behind like you're gonna you're gonna go off on your own and just leave us here in raccoon city that's his opportunity to say actually the town is going to be destroyed in dun 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 two hours so we gotta get the fuck out of here right? oh yeah shit I and then the, and then someone says oh shit and we get to look at their face and feel what they're feeling the quote unquote be betrayal was him leaving her behind in the mansion yeah, because, but here's the other oh, thing but, too here, here's here's the best part about it all that stuff feels forced and then in the next scene featuring them, they're reunited again. What's the thing? This he doesn't, wasn't he doesn't even necessary. Even, he does not even leave her behind in the mansion. She chooses not to follow him. He goes into the tunnel that he opened yeah. up with, like the piano puzzle, and she chooses not to follow him. the 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 betrayal is that she's hot for him. And she is upset that he's going to leave the town and leave her behind. Yeah. But she takes it back to the rest of the team is like, Wesker betrayed us. And he's a bad guy. They should have had him like either shoot her and it hit Kevlar or shoot her in the leg or something. Yeah. And that would feel like a true betrayal because you're leaving her for bait. 
Well, you get out. Well, that's the thing. Like, isn't he? He's one of the central villains in the games. In the right? first one, Wesker, yeah. It's, it, it's an actual betrayal. Wesker. It's that same. It's literally the same type of thing. He uh, reveals that he's on the other side and runs off. Yeah, and and, he, and he's back in other games too, like with powers and stuff as as like an as like a real villain, right? Yeah. Well, I mean the the canon of the games is, is all over the place, right? Weird, which is but yeah, hilarious but like, and he, fun. He never he never feels like a villain in this movie. No, he feels like he's just trying no. to do a job. Like, like yeah. honestly, his justifications are pretty and, legit. It's like, yo, they're going to, like, give me, like, tons of fucking cash if I, like, I don't know, get the information to fuck over a giant mega, like, pharma corporation. Like, right. the, oh, wait, isn't, to get, to isn't get that a good town. thing? Yeah. Like, like we've right. seen that the, the, the pharma, like, the, the pharma corporation is, like, poisoning the town. They're the bad and guys. Turning so, them into zo- turning so getting paid into to get dirt yeah. on them to get out of the scenario is... All good, yeah. None good of things, none of that right? makes him feel villainous. And then, like, they shoot him at the end for the betrayal or whatever. And then, like, there's there's like the little post credit sequence where like he comes back to life and they tease uh, Ada, and like she gives him the sunglass, like the iconic Wesker sunglasses. But it's like. Shouldn't by the time we get to that point, like, shouldn't we as the audience like hate Wesker? Like, shouldn't we be like, "Ooh, he sucks. He's a villain." Like, I, I was just like, all I felt about him for the entire movie is that like he's a bad dude's a bad actor. Like, that's it. Like, I, I didn't feel anything towards him one way or another. And it's like, shouldn't your villains feel villainous? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, or at least like torn and conflicted or something. Your your your, your character should feel. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I don't need I don't need much of anything. I just need him to. I just I just need to feel something. That's yeah. all. I, and here, here's the thing too, right? Like the that sequence where he uh the the quote betrayal sequence or whatever. Like honestly, I didn't I didn't even like hate it just because like while all that's going on, I was able to like ooh and ah at the cool burning helicopter in the room. Like the the sure. scene looked neat, yeah. and it was over and pretty quickly. Cool like so, like it's worth digging deep into and like nitpicking, like how that how the scene could probably be fixed. That's what we do here. Um, but I, this, on on the same just, like in, in the note, moment- I, I do I do want to say that like as the scenes go, like a lot of the times when there was something like that going on, I could at least like ooh and ah at something in the background it's fine. or like it, you know yeah, whatever. It's fine. Like it's not that offensive, mm-hmm. but it it was a moment in the film where. I felt like I I could tell from the cues that the film was giving me that this is supposed to be a moment of emotional impact. And all I was feeling at that moment was, why do I care? Yeah. And that's the problem with that moment, with that scene. And, like, we've been trying to come up with ways to make it actually feel like something and for me to not feel totally ambivalent towards it yeah i mean in in the the context of the film itself like it's it's a 30 second scene in an hour and a half long movie whatever Mm. um but i do think it's it's uh it's an example of like a lot of the problems that the movie has as a whole yeah and and getting into it deeply like allows us to not necessarily have to get into the others but right there is another thing we put a footnote on earlier that i think it's time to dig into and that is the cg the cg Yeah. yeah I thought that for a movie made in 2021 
with a obviously pretty good budget. Not not huge, but it had a good budget and is a reboot of a popular video game franchise whose uh, film series absolutely needs new life. In all that context, I think the CG in this movie was kind of bad. Like, just looking at it, like, in a vacuum, it's not that bad. Like, it's it's pretty decent. But, like, it felt old. Like, it felt it felt like CG from, like, 2011. See, for a Resident Evil movie, I kind of find that charming. Agreed. Just because I think those, these games kind of have jank to them in that sense. So I, I felt like it, it worked for me. I wouldn't have it any other way, honestly. And here's the thing, too. It's, it's set in 98. And again, it's based off of a video game with, like, terrible fuck-off graphics. Um, you know, like from a modern lens or whatever, like at the time they were, they were pretty groundbreaking, but the whole point is like, like in, in that circumstance, especially like with it being like kind of a goofy film and everything else, like it's cartoony and that's what I'm there for. Yeah. Like I'm okay with it. Well, here's the thing, like the, the CG dog was probably the, the worst CG yeah. in my opinion. Oh, I, I thought, think the big monster at the end was the worst. I, I, I thought, like I thought that one was kind of charming and yeah, cartoonish. I like that. I, I thought the tongue monster was also pretty fun. The liquor. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, I agree with you guys in principle. Um, I think, I mean, it's okay. If it's not what you want. I, I think, uh, it's your opinion. I think, I think my problem with it is that while yes, you know, the original Resident Evil games didn't have great graphics and are kind of cartoony. The problem for me here is that it's the kind of bad CG where it feels disconnected from the rest of the movie. Like, if the whole thing... Like, with the vi- with the video game, like, even if the graphics are bad, the whole thing, it, it maintains, like, an aesthetic. It feels like it all exists in the same world because the character models look just as bad as the monster models, whatever. Whereas this is, like, a live-action movie with really good, like, practical makeup and, like, good attention to detail in the set dressing and, like, well-designed sets and otherwise looks quite nice. And then, at times, there is just, like, 2011's ass CG where it doesn't feel like any of those monsters are actually in the same room as the characters. It feels like a stylistic mismatch. Like if this was in a campier film, even if the production design was still spot on, if the film was overall all campier, I think that would have worked. Agreed. I agree. So like, yeah, it's like, like keep that as it is. And just do what we we'd previously suggested. Make the the characters and and the rest of it just kind of lean in a little bit. You know, have a few like punch in zooms. Yeah, and, shit, and I, you I know? think I think you can I think you can do like it doesn't even have to all necessarily be practicals. Like there's absolutely space for CG, but I think for especially like it, when we talk about like the liquor uh, sequence, like that could have been enhanced by some clever creative use of like 
puppetry and and like costumes like yeah if when the if the liquor's climbing around on the wall and ceiling make it cg fine but while lisa trevor is like on its back like with her shackles like in its mouth when she like breaks its neck use a fucking puppet for that or a guy in a fucking rubber suit like yeah. light it dark go like hell look, look at look at how fucking awesome the the final sequence in uh in antlers was that we talked about recently where they built a big fucking Wendigo puppet, right? Mm-hmm. And just used like creative lighting so like it doesn't look fake. The, the liquor know? being a guy in a suit with like a CG tongue would have been awesome. It could have been fun and like, yeah, yeah and, and man, the big monster at the end reminded me of, I, I couldn't not think of it, is because like it's like a big like eyeball tentacle monster, but it still has like the doctor's face like on its mm-hmm. chest and the CG was not great and it just made me think about the Thing prequel that came out in like 2011 yeah. where they fight the, the Thing on the spaceship at the end and it's just a big ugly CG monster with a dude's face like badly composited into its chest. Like I was just like, oh no. I mean they blow this monster up with an RPG pretty much immediately after this but uh, it's the kind of CG where like it, it just it, it's a stylistic mismatch like you said it just took me out of it the zombie makeup is great no well that's the thing that we know they can do practicals exactly you know i think i think part of it is like um you know we're we're in a day and age now where like that kind of cg is cheaper than than practicals largely well, yeah a- and mm. it is doing like the liquor sequences and all the rest of it you would have had to have done like I mean, not for, like, the one-off puppet, but, like, like if we wanted to, like, say, like, do the ideal, right, and replace the liquor with, like, like a like a, like a guy it's, in a suit, like, on the cheaper. ceiling, you'd have had to do, like, wire work and shit. It's cheaper and, in the sense that it would take, it takes less time than doing it practically on set. Yeah, and, and also, like, good puppetry versus bad puppetry, especially in this day and age, like, it's hard, much, is you know, can be harder to find. There are a lot of reasons um, for it. I think bad puppetry in this movie would have still... Been it would have ruled, would yeah. Have yeah, yeah, it would have been charming. I give you that, I'll give you that. It would have been better to me than, than this kind but of mid... Good, good luck getting that pass on executive in this day and age, but, like, um, like but this, I do agree. But, see, the thing, the thing of it is, is that, like, I just, I tend to wonder, because, like, when it comes to, like, the look of this movie and, like, the production design, which is, like, such a huge portion of the budget, I wouldn't ask for anything different. I wouldn't want them to take away from any of that. So it's like, what's left in the budget, you know? So it's like, I'm sure that they used their their budget to their fullness, but the, the answer would be, yeah. like, like just more... But again, like, Mr. X is just a guy in a big suit. And I mean, overall, overall, it's not <laughs> Mr. like... Mr. X practically. Overall, it's not, like, a huge thing. And, like, when I say the CG is bad... I specifically mean like for 2021. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. the CG is is in the spectrum of CG. It's like on the higher end of mid. You know what I mean? It's fine. Yeah, it's serviceable. Like yeah. it's it's totally serviceable. It's cartoon, like, but for, it's serviceable. For the early 2010s, it would have been good CG. It's just oh, it, unbelievable. Like like yeah, that shit was smooth as fuck in the 2010s. It, it would have. It, yeah. It. I mean, it was really smooth as fuck in the early 2000s. Oh yeah, like, like go back the, and watch the, Van Helsing in the 2010s. Yeah, like this this would have this would have been pretty. I think standard, you know, what mm. you would expect CG from this type of movie. But it's like it's it's just it's so like weirdly slick. 
Yeah. That it it stands, even though like technically it's good, it stands out from the background that it's in. And that's like and that's why I'm just like, this is not good CG for twenty twenty one. Yeah. I think that's a factor as well. So like yeah, my, my better, thought is it's like better than the CG in like all of the Mila Jovovich mm-hmm. ones though. Like that is worth noting. Oh, e- easily. Mm-hmm. Easy, yeah, like easy. like by even miles. The, even the miles. later ones. Yeah. Even the later Which ones. Which is frankly yeah. for me too, like why I was like pretty grat like I found like most of it to be like fun because like that was sort of my my standard going in is like eh, it's better than those and how could it not be so I'm you know sure. like I was pretty much priming myself to have for a good sure. time with that movie and I did but you know when it comes to like who's at fault for that like I I, I tend to wonder just because like I, again I wouldn't want to pull from anything else in the budget and so it's like clearly they were working with like the budget that they had you know for the movie and again like I know like it is like a a studio like a larger studio production but compare the budget to a marvel movie you know or whatever else like that like yeah um and, and again like some I, that's a, some that's an unfair comparison right well the, well that's that's my point though like for this day and age like that's that's going to be like a comparison point for a lot of people is like guardians or something sure. but um you know and like not all Mar- marvel movies have great cg i mean like the the new black widow movie for instance like was was pretty was Man, pretty I would, rough I would say which is weird most, that most marvel cg while like technically quote-unquote good still cartoony lo- looks very bad yeah i, I, I mean like i, I would say like with exception like guardians of the galaxy looks fucking great. yeah yeah guardians like, is a little bit more fun and colorful but most of those marvel movies they all have the same villain and they all end with a fight in like a a gray wasteland with like the sun peeking through the clouds in the background. Sure. It's like, it's all, oh, it's it almost so, has transformer so syndrome mm. where it's so focused on polygons clashing into <laughs> yeah. each other that they forget to make anything compelling. Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. A big one that comes to mind is like the, the black Panther movie, which like the, the final like fight sequence is just like two CG characters fighting the whole time, like in a CG background. And it's yeah, just like man. this entire thing is fake. It's just all artifice. Yeah. And like, like when, when that movie has like practicals, it looks great. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That final sequence for me was just like, okay, I'm just watching a cartoon at this point, which is fine because you know, but though that's fine. Because they're based on comic books, which are cartoons, well, so it's all right there. But like in the, in the circumstance, here's 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 another counterpoint where I will agree with you with the CG, right? Um, unless sorry, you had something else to say on that. No, nah, I was just gonna bash on, on Marvel some more. Yeah, Probably you, you do that. Low hanging fruit. But uh, the um, uh, another other counterpoint is to really what I was saying was like, yeah, the, the games are dated or whatnot, but they have been re remaking them, and the more the more recent Resident Evil games, seven and eight have some of the best graphics in the industry. For sure. Like, they look incredible. For sure. Like, and the Resident Evil 2 remake looks also looks really well. good. Gorgeous. Yeah. And 3. Yeah. And 2 and 3 at this mm-hmm. point. There's that as well. Uh, and and 2, like, when it comes to, like, niche followings, I, 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 tend to, I tend to feel like 4 kind of has, like, the biggest one because, like, that's also, like, the kind of the campiest one. And whenever I hear a Resident Evil quote, like, whenever someone quotes Resident Evil, what are they quoting? What, what are you, you buying? Buy and what are you selling? And yeah. that's from four because it's the fun, campy one that well, everyone yeah, well, loves. Four, four is like the perfect blend of the of action and horror. Like yeah. that's that's where that's where they hit their peak with the blend of action and horror. Because after that, like five and six are just straight up action. And I mean, like the thing is, I see why they didn't want to do that straight away because sure. narratively it's kind of a sidestep like it's set in spain in a small village yeah like oh yeah well i mean you can't start with four yeah i like they're they're definitely you you can't start with that but that sort of brings me to the last 
the last thing I wanted to talk about uh, before we write, because I don't have much more to say about this movie. But my question for you guys is, as a reboot, do you think this movie is successful? Do you think that it is going to be the fresh start for a new franchise like they obviously want it to be? Or do you think it's going to be so mid- or, or everybody is going to think it's so mid that they're not going to bother following up with a sequel. Here's what I think. Okay. I think uh, I have – it is yes and no to that. I don't think they're going to because I don't think it's doing very well in the box office at a guess. Um, I haven't seen the numbers yet, but I doubt we'll they're going to. talk about that a little. Uh, yeah, very curious. Yeah, stay tuned for that, folks. But also yes because – here's the thing. Did I think this was like really like successful in that, in that factor? Kind of. I, I think the the visuals fucking great. The and again, like the the acting was flat and stuff, but that kind of is like you know, this is sort of almost respectful to the originals in, in a way. And do I want to see more Resident Evil? Do I want to see Mister X and Nemesis and shit? Fuck yes, I do. And and frankly, like if they can learn their lessons from this one, good. Let them make another one. I don't give a shit. Let let, let them let them go. I, if anything, I, I want it. Like, I mean, yeah, I don't. I don't particularly care one way or another. But I think it's. I think will they is an interesting question. I don't know how they're doing box office wise. I can only speak anecdotally that our theater was pretty full, mm-hmm. uh, pretty late into the weekend. Um, yeah, we, we saw went on a Sunday. Night. We went on a Sunday, so obviously there wasn't. But a it was ton of, it was opening weekend. Yeah, but you know they always look into. I don't think there's a lot else third day drop off right on Sundays. Yep. Um, as a factor, and so maybe this is doing well. I really don't know the box office results. The thing is, like, I think it really depends on how well it's doing. But I think there's promise to doing another one yeah. like the the production design alone warrants me being interested in seeing another if they narrow it their scope and get campier with it i think it'll be great even yeah. you know yeah i give I, them more I, money i don't give a shit i'm i'm, I'm kind of <laughs> with you guys in the regard that like i i don't particularly care one way or another like if they make another one of these i'll go see it out of curiosity Same. Um, I'm, I can't say that I'm personally super invested, but I kind of think that this is that, that they're not going to do another one. I get the feeling that like, though this is undoubtedly a step up from the Jovovich Resident Evil movies, they're definitely not going to make any more of those. This is an attempt to revitalize and reboot the franchise, staying truer to the games and I just don't know if this one did did it well enough for people to really give enough of a shit for them to make another one. Yeah. Like they obviously set it up for another one. They did it in in true even in true Marvel Cinematic Universe fashion. They did the post-credit sequence with uh with Wesker and Ada to be like, "Ooh, this is what's going to happen next time," you know. It's... Well, that's the thing about this film, right? Like it's not flashy enough for people to yeah. be like, "Oh, yeah." Because like for better or for worse, the Jovovich Anderson movies, they're not good, but they're flashy. Extremely. Like, and that got people to continually see them to the point where they made, like, what, seven 
of them. Yeah, I mean, I feel like even though those movies were always bad, like, people would always go to the theater to see them. Yeah, and, like, you get, like, Twitch streamers and, like, shit, like, marathoning them and stuff. Like, it's a thing. It's definitely, like, a lot of people, like, put put them into, like, the so bad it's good category. You know, in in a lot of ways, what this really feels... I tend to wonder some of them look kind of boring, if I'm being real. What this really feels like to me is sort of an attempt to capitalize on, even though this has been in, in... production since like 2016 i think i i was reading the the product that we got regardless of how long it was in production the product we got feels like an attempt to cash in on the success of uh the capcom resident evil remake games well it did a poor job of meshing it like well that's that's the thing but that's that's what it feels like is like marketing is like oh man the old resident evil is really big right now because capcom made a couple of fantastic remakes of resident evil 2 and 3 that that blew everybody's tits off and everybody's super excited about this is the time for resident evil for for a reboot of the franchise to make people remember those early games and to have some sort of like cross nostalgia and I just feel like it didn't go big enough to really yeah. achieve that. I uh, yeah. I just looked it up to see how it was doing box office wise. It made nine million. What's the what was their budget? Uh, I don't know what their budget was, but for comparison, more than nine million. Yeah, and for comparison, the final chapter, the last Jovovich one, made thirteen million opening weekend. Oh shit! Wow. So we like so it did. Oof. It did almost five million less than the last Jovovich. Can, can you look up the budget on my phone? I mean, so like, I would. I'm, I'm mad curious to see what the what the budget for this yeah, movie was. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I don't think we're getting another oh, one of these. Oh yeah, it's like, I think, damn. I think I think what's gonna happen is uh, they're going to do what they always do and give it another between three to five years yeah. and do another reboot i'm okay with that that's fine too just i just mean keep them coming though try like keep, keep trying like I mean, don't don't stop netflix, you know that's, that's no reason netflix is doing what the umbrella chronicles which is resident evil spinoff oh is that a thing I they're, they're on that. season three at this point wait that people exists? watch it yeah what is it animated or is it live action? I think it's live action. What is what? I think yeah, it's I on Netflix. What? Yeah, <laughs> and they're on season three. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. I've never heard of this. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Me, I, I, I'm pretty sure. No, it's, wait. Are you? You're not talking about the true. Umbrella Academy, are you? That is not because that's not Resident Evil. That's some. That that's some like superhero some Harry shit. Potter shit. Yeah, yeah like. The Umbrella Academy isn't isn't Resident Evil, dog. If that's what you're thinking of, damn, I was wrong. But I think ah, they, 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 they are doing a Resident <laughs> Evil show. Sorry, hold on, hold on, hold on, back up, back up. Did you? Did you? Th- I think you're, you're trying. Was yeah, you're, you're trying to slide Academy. this by. Were you thinking the Umbrella Academy <laughs> was sure. was? Have you seen anything well, okay. from the Umbrella? Academy? Oh no, I haven't. I okay. haven't. Yeah, but there's a they are doing a top hat. Netflix something. is doing yeah. a Resident Evil show. Okay. And I mean, it's coming are. out next year. Okay. Honestly, that's that's season one. Yeah, that's perfectly on brand for Netflix. Gonna call it now, so we can play the tape back later when it comes out. They're gonna hype the shit out of it, and it's going to come out to middling to bad reviews. Yeah, because you can't please gamers. Are you kidding? Like they're the worst. <laughs> As one, <laughs> and also like, like we've seen. I mean, I haven't watched it yet, but I, we've seen the reaction from everybody to the new Cowboy. I've Bob. been wanting to talk about this. Yes, because it's the perfect time to mention it because it's also a an adaptation. 
right? That's uh, that's probably what's going to happen with this, and with this Resident Evil show, I think. While Bebop is a live-action adaptation of an anime, Resident Evil is a very anime-esque video game in my opinion like um, totally yeah, yeah. like and and <laughs> so like i think i think that the comparison is really apt um now so i i grew up on bebop it was really my first exposure to anime um so i was pretty attached to it you know um and frankly too like still one of my only favorites i'm not a huge anime guy um, I tend to like the ones that are a little bit more grounded, and Bebop is probably the most grounded, which is why I was excited about the the, the Netflix the, the the Netflix one for a, a brief moment. Because I mean, this they've been kicking around a, li- a live action Bebop movie for like two decades. There was a lot of talk about Keanu Reeves playing Spike for a long time and other stuff. Um, and well, I guess this is what we get, you know. After all that, have time. you watched it yet? So I after seeing spoilers i guess um after seeing yeah yeah uh after seeing the 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 reveal at like the final episode of ed because like i heard all the bad reviews and i was like uh i kind of want to know why before i just jump in you know i watched that that clip of ed i don't think i could i should do i don't think i should do that to myself like i don't i don't know if i can after that because here's the thing like leading up to it i was sort of a neutral voice like i have i have some friends who were like they saw like, oh my god! Did you see like they did the intro with Tank and it looks exactly like it? Isn't that amazing? And I'm like, why are they doing it exactly like it? And it's like, did you see the trailer? Look, they have the they have the um the the the, the fat assassin character and this, and they have these things from the show. Isn't it going to be great? They're well, doing that, it just like the show, and it's like, wait, why why are they just redoing it? Well, what I mean, are you that doing? Seems, that seems oh, no. to be the biggest problem from the stuff that I've seen, like the side by side stuff, is that. It is exactly like the yeah. anime. And why would you? And you literally cannot mm-hmm. recreate animation in live action one to one. They're two completely different mediums. And in the clips that I've seen you of, can, the, of the new Cowboy Bebop, <laughs> should you? Yeah. you can't successfully. Yeah, I agree. Uh, in the in the clips of the new Cowboy Bebop that I've seen side to side is they try to do like the exact same shot comp and like editing and stuff as the anime, and it is jarring in live action. Like it yeah. is, it is bad to well, watch. Ben, you showed me the thing that like the 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 official Cowboy Bebop Twitter put out where they 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 were like proudly showing like a side by side comparison of yeah. like of Spike versus Vicious, and the animated sequence is like so much better because like the the live action one is powerfully stiff as it's going to be here's the thing right like in animation you have total control over how many frames you use and when um a lot of like animation will drop frames to like give you more impact and intensity and to let your eye rest on things for longer you can exaggerate motion you can you, you can you can make wildly exaggerated motion really fluid and bendy shapes um that give snap and an extra like uh, fluidity to action sequences and other other things. It, it allows you to telegraph more information in less frames and in shorter amounts of time. There's a reason why, like 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 Satoshi Kon, for instance, like um, with like films like Paprika and Perfect Blue and whatnot, like like chose to make those films uh, animated and not live action. Like there was a choice there. It's funny you mentioned the not- the medium specificity of Satoshi Kon because. Uh, 
Darren Aronofsky blatantly ripped off Perfect Blue for live action to the point where he was trying to buy the U.S. rights for Perfect Blue because he was just blatantly stealing sequences and shots to put in Requiem for a Dream. Like, there are sequences straight out of Perfect Blue that were just implanted into Requiem for a Dream. It's kind of crazy. But I think to take this full circle and get us back on track here... please, please. um, This is... uh, (laughs) What you were saying about translating anime to live action is very similar to translating video games to film. Yes. In that, like, if you try to be too faithful to the medium, there are things that are naturally lost in translation. They just straight up can't be translated. You know, you don't have the fluidity of animation in live action, and much like that you don't have the agency of free movement your player character in a movie with a set story and through that most importantly immersion video games are always going to have a different level of immersion than a film will and you can get away with a flat character in a game because you're playing the character right like like you can you can project yourself onto it project yourself onto the character literally by moving them by puppeting them in a way that you can't do in in films and yeah it's it's the same kind of thing it's like if you're going that's that's the important thing about like an adaptation right is it shouldn't (laughs) just be the exact same thing in a different medium it should be trying to achieve the same goal using the strengths that the new medium has you know it should it should be telling the same story in its new medium and whether that's translation from animated to live action or from video game to film if you try to like translate it too literally it's never going to fucking work it's always going to alienate your audience yeah it's like turn trying to turn poetry into prose right like if you use all the same words just not rhyming anymore like it's not gonna feel right it might be faithful like in a literal sense, yeah. but it won't flow in the correct way. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why you just need to have Mr. X come out and punch a hole through someone. Um, X, X gonna give it uh, to you. I am, I'm going to derail the train again. Just knocking on Heaven's Door, like, took place, like, in the middle of the series. You could you could just have, you could put an entire whole nother series into Cowboy Bebop, and it would be fine. That's another thing. I just, I just don't understand why they redid it like that. And just like this movie, I don't understand why they felt the need to just kind of combine both of the films. Like that, that, that's all. Both like, the games. Cleveland, both the, both the I'm games only going to let you talk about Bebop again on the show if you watch the entire series. I'm. I, <laughs> I watch the original series again. Nope. No, nope. I mean, I will, but. I will give you 20 minutes of rant time if you watch the entire show minutes i I did my rant that was my last thing i wanted to say that was it that was was literally you're not the one who edits edits this podcast ben (laughs) you can cut it you don't have the 20 minutes that's the trick that's the trick you can just cut it (laughs) but that that was all but that's more work for me later okay like like, okay i I should have prefaced by derailing the train that was because that was that was literally it it's fine okay that's all that's all i had to say and I, cause I don't, I don't want to think about it anymore. I don't want to watch the show. Like that's, that's my point. I've, I've made my peace with it. I've seen what it looks like. I don't want to do that to myself. 
to bring us back, Netflix also made CG Resident Evil films. And they are fucking anime-ass films. I saw clips going around of, like, gunfu, where two characters are, like, breakdancing in circles, shooting at each other, and none of the bullets are hitting each other. Yes! Yes, I have seen. I've seen that same clip. They that, was that Netflix. Like that's kind of old. Like they. Did, well, that's from back there, in like there's the been both right? Netflix CG and non-Netflix CG Resident Evil movies, and they both look just dumb as hell. Yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah. and Honestly, I'm kind of here for it. For, yeah, I, I, I think that's I nothing think that's, wrong with it. Yeah, I think that honestly that's true. Like if you're gonna do Resident Evil, like if you're gonna adapt it for the screen, I'd say lean into the more the the campier side of it for for horror. I think you can keep that. To okay, the final bit about the new Netflix live action Resident Evil series. Wesker has been cast, and it's someone we know. Uh oh. Who do you think? It, it, Chris yes. Pratt. Yeah, Chris Pratt. He's <laughs> Chris Pratt. everybody. <laughs> Lance Reddick. Yo! Yes! That's yes! actually awesome. Oh, Dude, no, that's unironically that's rad. That's so funny. Lance Reddick is like 90 years old. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> I don't care. It's who I want. Editor note. Here, Mattis has confused Lance Reddick with Lance Henriksen. Lance Reddick is only 58 years old, and therefore not unreasonably old for this role. Mattis was imagining 81-year-old Lance Henriksen in the role of Albert Wesker, which, let's be real, would be pretty funny. That's so funny! Okay, I could not. I, 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 if, so if you would, old. If you would rephrase that to, like, who would you want it to be? Who would your ideal be? It wouldn't be as good. Like, whatever a choice I would have come up with wouldn't have been as awesome as Lance. <laughs> Yo, you know what that That's means? Great. You know what that good. means, though, right? Like, there's absolutely, like, in the games, like, doesn't Wesker, like, teleport and shit and, like, do, like, crazy, oh my gosh, like, yes. crazy gunplay and shit? I want to see Lance so, Reddick in dumb sunglasses. So yes! That, that's the thing is, like, what we know we're going to get is, because, like, Lance Reddick is not capable of doing those kind of stunts. He's too, want, he's far too old. No, I want a bad CG battle of so Lance be, Reddick punching a hole through Mr. X and then Mr. X punching a hole through him and be, just going back and Lance, forth like It'll be that. Lance Reddick hobbling around in a trench coat with some sunglasses glasses and then when the action starts it will be uh it will be cg (laughs) it'll be like blade like like the the bad moments in the blade movies are just just a cg blade uh it'll be oh please it'll be the vampire ninja fight scene in blade i want it i want it yes (laughs) anyway bring it on sounds uh, great let's let's rate this movie please let's do it let's let's rate this fucker I guess I'll go first. Uh, I, I mean, it was okay. It was it was okay. It was yeah. fine. Uh, I don't think I'll ever be compelled to watch it again. Uh, but I wasn't miserable while I was watching it. It was fine. Three out of five. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like I was a little biased because I had played one and two recently, and they this movie again for better or for worse. Very, very accurate reproduction of those first two games. Spiritually faithful. Um, Yes, and plot-wise faithful, and, you know, characterization-wise faithful. All this stuff worked well, and it was very competently made, and I I will even say it had some well-done sequences. The thing is, like, again, it's just kind of flat, and the, the, the shortcomings of 
the narrative side of Resident Evil comes through really strong. Uh, this is a three and a half out of five for me. I won't go as far as to say that I, I, I don't think I'll ever be watching it. I think I am going to watch it again at some point. I think I might, uh, I might either just do it for like a, like a bad movie night with friends or, um, cause I think it's good for that because there's a lot of like, cause you, when you're watching in a theater, you know, we're trying to be respectful. We've got people sitting on either side of us. Um, but like for a bad movie night, like where you can like talk over the boring bits or whatever, I think it's a great film for that. And, uh, so I'll, I'll almost certainly be watching it again at some point. And, uh, you know, um, probably soon. And uh, I I look forward to it. I, I look forward to like seeing the, the 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 silly like CG and all the rest of it. Like again, and ooing and awing at like how they they fucking built the the police station from two. Like that's neat. Three out of five. Before we move on, I want to pitch you guys a reimagined Resident Evil really quick. Go well, I know we're a little long, but first the average sure. is three point two out of five. Sure. <laughs> um pretty accurate rating. Yeah. yeah. Um it was good. So one of the challenges of translating the games into film is a lot of the lore of Resident Evil is told through found journals oh, and yeah, entries sure. and stuff. So my thought on creating a Resident Evil movie or show would be to do it anthology style and have the overarching story be the mansion but Ooh. intersperse it with all these different little stories i like you that. can go forward and back in time in cool ways mm-hmm. because I like, like the cool thing about a story like that is with a with the mansion being like the the, the central character is you can go forward and backward in time in a cool way in respect to uh like secret panels and stuff on the walls you know and like mm-hmm. like finding it like seeing people first use it you know use it for the first time and like getting some cool dramatic irony with that like i'm yeah and because that's the that's the heart of resident evil right like weird puzzles and shit yeah you know like that's you know like like why why does you know playing this tune on the piano open open a hole in the wall who fucking knows who cares that's fun yeah. like uh play into that um you know what series comes kind of close to that is uh doom patrol because like Doom Manor is like a big like is like I mean, a character in of itself on that series, and when it comes to like shows knowing exactly what they are and being campy and having fun with it, big fan of Doom Patrol. It's it's very like if if Del Toro like was doing a TV series, yeah. kind of shit. Like I'm yeah, I've, I've been I've been having a great time. Well, we did one. predict this one. Let's do yes. it. This is our final prediction. I will save oh my the true final results until our wrap up episode for yeah. the year. But okay. I will say. Final scores are 11 to 10 to 10. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. That's the closest we've ever been. Yeah. So uh, for Resident Evil, Matisse, you predicted a Rotten Tomatoes score of 36. Mm, that's low. Uh, Cleve, you predicted 45. Oh. And I predicted 27. Oh. Uh, well, it turns out to be 28. Oh. Oh shit! Yeah. I thought I was God, low. God damn it! So I you were uh, one off. was Holy one shit. off. Yeah. Also, Jesus. Yeah. Ouch. People are hating. The this audience one. score yeah, was sixty-eight like thought, though. Okay. So oh. people, audiences are liking it. Yeah, that feels yeah. that feels right. A critic. Yeah. I feel like film critics don't even know what a resident is evil is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like we were saying, so like we were saying, this film's incomprehensible for somebody. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway. Exactly. Uh, well, our collective rating prediction, Tease, you predicted two and a half. 
Cleve, you predicted three and a half, and I predicted 3.2. Oh, spot on. So I won that wow. one as well. Yeah. Um, How about it? Yeah, so I'm going to leave You're 11, then. the uh, final results up in the air, and I'll maybe tell you guys off mic, but, uh, so you guys have time to prepare. Yeah. But for the podcast, it is a mystery. It's a secret. Well, uh, yeah, uh, that'll our, our end of the year stuff will be uh, in a couple of it's weeks. It's you, though, right? But, uh, <laughs> stop. <laughs> stop. Which one the last uh, one? Right, we'll, figure, we'll figure it out. Uh, <laughs> off the podcast. Yeah, off mic. Uh, <laughs> next week, uh, we have a Patreon pick. It's been a long time since we've had one of those, uh, but that's rolled back around. Uh, and so the film that uh, we have picked at random from our list of uh, our Patreon pool is uh, The Exorcism of Emily Rose, uh, which is a, a found footage film that I have never seen. Uh, this one is was chosen by uh, honorary pod boy Sam Simon. Uh, so, Sam, I know you're listening. Get ready. Next week, we're talking about The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Ooh-wee. I've never uh, seen it either. I didn't know this was a found footage well, it was I funny. I think it is. We we had a. I have no idea. Before the, <laughs> or no, maybe I'm thinking the last exorcism. Maybe that's mm. a found footage. Yeah, that there, one was a found footage. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. So maybe the la- the exorcism of Emily Rose might not be a found footage. I don't know. I have. Stay tuned next week to find out. <laughs> there, <laughs> were, there were a lot. There were a lot of exorcism movies in the early to mid 2000s. Yes, yes. And some of them were found footage. Well, movies. I, I did like yeah to to make feel better. I, I did even worse before the podcast started, where you said uh, the 2005 you. you mentioned it we're gonna watch the 2005 exorcism of Emily Rose and I said oh uh not the original and you said that is the original and I said oh I was thinking of Rosemary's Rosemary's Baby Baby. which is way worse of a a call to make uh yeah uh, you know again also mad unfortunate I haven't seen Rosemary's Baby but you know we'll do that one on the podcast at some point we'll get there we'll Um, get there all right, well, sponsor time before we wrap yes. up. Yeah, there's a lot of movies out there. Okay, here we go. And uh, this is going to be a speed reading, a, a, a speedster sponsor. Uh, here we go. Uh, 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 here we go. Uh, uh, this, this episode... Uh... <laughs> well... Maybe we shouldn't speed through this one. It is the son of God, after all. Um, this episode was brought to you by Jesus Christ. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't, we, we don't choose our sponsors. The sponsor it shelf is, chooses them December. for us. It is December. Christmas is, is a coming. Just Christmas, Crimbus is here. Uh, we're, we're celebrating, uh, we're celebrating the Chrysler. Uh, and, and this is brought to you by the son of God himself, Jesus Christ. Um, Thank you, uh, Thanks, Jesus. Thank you, our Lord and Savory, for your delicious, uh, um, for your delicious, son. for your delicious. Son. <laughs> <laughs> uh, praise be unto unto him, uh, uh, and that's <laughs> pra- pra- praise be. Uh, oh Lord, uh, thank you, Amen. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it for us tonight. If you like the show. Be sure to uh, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and a review. We would really appreciate that. You can also support us at uh, patreon.com slash podpeoplepod. Thanks to our honorary pod boys, Sam Simon and Sarah Morris. Uh, If you, too, want to be able to add film suggestions to the Patreon pool, uh, then head over to Patreon and become an honorary pod boy. Peace be with you and also yourself, (laughs) as they say. (laughs) 
Uh, you can also find my work on. Oh, am I am I jumping uh, the gun? Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. but go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Wait, I'll go off. Go off, King. Uh, uh, the 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 one and only king, uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, <laughs> Go off, king of the, kings. The, the once and future king, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, yeah, you can find my work on uh, 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 I guess uh, the Light Arc, Light Arc Studio via Twitter. Um, you can also find my work on uh, ArtStation if you search Cleveland Mosier. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm doing work for DreadXP these days. Uh, but you can find work on our game. It stares back. On Twitter as well. I'm kind of not doing my. I'm kind of jumbling around this this time, but fuck it, it's a jumbly. Yeah, you fucked up. I fucked up. Uh, uh, no, it's fine. Uh, you know, like uh, sometimes the it, it's only poetry if it rhymes. It can't be exact or whatever the fuck. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not George Lucas. Uh, and uh, yeah, go go to dreadxp.com and look at all the cool shit that we have. Uh, and uh, that that's it. That's definitely it for me. I need to stop. Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> now none of us know what to do because you went out of order. I, okay. you I'm derailed follow, again. You, you can follow the podcast at, on Twitter at Pod People Pod. Our letterboxed is letterboxd.com slash Pod People Pod. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Some Spooky Snakes. I'm on, expecting the Son of Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on Twitter at Mr. Sheets. And you know what? You can follow me on letterboxed at letterboxd.com slash Corrine. 1966, Harmony Crin, Buffalo 66, mm. together. Yeah. yeah. Got a cute name? Uh, you can find me on Letterboxd. Just, you get, just find me. I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> it's a mystery. <laughs> uh, all right. Yep. That'll do it for us. Uh, zombies. Bye. Bye. Fuck what you heard. It's what you hearing. It's what you hearing. Listen. It's what you hearing. Listen. It's what you hearing, listen. X go give it to ya. Fuck way for you to get it on your own. X go deliver to ya. Knock knock, open up the door to spread. If the non-stop pop out and stainless steel. Go hard getting busy with it. But I got such a good heart that I make the motherfucker wonder if you get it. Damn right, can I do it again? Cause I am like so I got to win. Break bread with the enemy. No matter how many cats I break bread with, I break who you sending me. Motherfuckers never wanna nothing but your life saved Bitch, and that's on a life day I'm getting down, down Like a nigga said freeze But won't be the one ending up on his knees Bitch, please If the only thing you can't steal was